Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. Shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of James by looking at James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his work in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. When we began this study in James chapter 1, we saw that James had written to his readers that God is willing to give us wisdom. He told us that wisdom is a component of being a whole person and keeps us from being unstable, and that wisdom is needed to make godly decisions that bring us life. In between those verses and the ones we read in this episode, James has touched on various themes, but he's never strayed too far from this discussion of wisdom because he sees all of these things intertwined. He tells us here that our wisdom is shown in our actions. He's letting us know that we can't just sit on the sidelines and tell people how it ought to be. We can't just dictate to them what we think is best. We've got to live a life that shows them that there's wisdom in what we're saying. This is one of the reasons that the church in our day doesn't always have the credibility that it should, because so often we are preaching to the rest of the world that they should meet a particular moral standard, but because those of us who profess faith aren't actually living it out, we get called hypocrites, and it gets pointed out that our lives really aren't any better than the lives of those who follow something other than God. An example of that is how we often talk about traditional family values. And there are certain things that we demand in our society because we think it is the best way for a family to exist. The problem is those people who've chosen a different path look at the families within churches, and there's just as much, if not more, dysfunction. There is a higher divorce rate. There are all kinds of problems with families of those who claim they have faith. We as Christians can't just sit on the sidelines and tell others that we have it figured out and they should listen to us. We have to show them by our actions and our attitudes and our words that we can be loving families and that God's instruction for families actually creates healthy and happy families. When we can show the world that what God says is the best way to live life, they'll start to believe us. When we only browbeat them and criticize them, they're probably not going to listen. So James says, your wisdom has to be evident in your actions. 
If you'll remember that James also said our faith is shown by our actions. He's showing that faith and action are intertwined. James is telling us that true wisdom is evidence that our faith in God makes a difference in this world. And he sets out to make this point by drawing a contrast between worldly wisdom and wisdom from above or heavenly wisdom. Worldly wisdom teaches us how to get ahead or how to get what we want. And James says that kind of wisdom comes from Satan himself. It's demonic. And he says having that type of wisdom should not be a reason for arrogance. If we see ourselves getting what we want in life, but is actually running contrary to what God wants for us, then we've probably followed a path of worldly wisdom. We've bought into what the world thinks is important, and we've accomplished what the world acknowledges as being successful. When we do that, we have this sense of pride and sometimes an overinflated sense of self. And James says, those who become arrogant deceive themselves. Arrogance is an exaggerated sense of who we are. We think we're more than we are. We've accomplished more than we actually did, or we deserve more than we actually do. James says that type of wisdom leads to disorder and to evil. See, when we buy into the world's wisdom, we become convinced that we don't deserve the consequences of our action. So we look to manipulate the outcome rather than taking responsibility for our own actions. Or maybe we just don't care how our actions affect others. And we only care about getting what we want or what we think we deserve. And in our wake, we leave people who are broken and hurt because we didn't care enough. We didn't have enough compassion for them along the way to put their needs ahead of our own. Sometimes we're convinced that having a position of power or control is where we need to be, even to help the church. But James lets us know here that that wisdom will come to no good end, that it will lead to disorder and evil. He says there's a heavenly wisdom that's completely different than that. He says, first of all, it's pure. It's uncorrupted. There are no ulterior motives. There's nothing about the wisdom that we're trying to share that's manipulative at all. We're not trying to affect the outcome. We're just letting people know what has worked for us as we followed the example of Jesus. He also says it's peaceable. It brings peace or makes peace. If you'll remember, Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers. Heavenly wisdom calms things down. It de-escalates them. It works on finding a solution, not demanding that I be heard and get my way. Heavenly wisdom resolves conflict without arguing or fighting. Heavenly wisdom is gentle. It makes the points that need to be made. Sometimes they may even be a rebuke or a correction, but they're done in a way that doesn't make the other person angry or defensive. Too often when we're sharing our wisdom, we're more interested in being right than salvaging the relationship. We don't look for that gentle, caring, loving way to tell the truth so that we can build bridges and build bonds that bring people closer to God. We only worry about being right. But heavenly wisdom is gentle. Heavenly wisdom is reasonable. It's logical. It makes sense. And here we have to be careful because it's not just that it makes sense to me. There are a lot of times that people don't have our background. They don't have our vocabulary for talking about spiritual things. They don't understand 
some of the things about God, and we need to be able to talk to them in ways that make sense to them. Too often, we're guilty of just saying what makes sense to us and wanting that to be the final word. Heavenly wisdom is also full of mercy. It leaves some wiggle room. It lets people know that I understand you may not be where I am. It lets them know that you haven't figured everything out either. That we're trying to figure this out together and just want to know what God wants. But we're not trying to punish people with our wisdom. Ultimately, what we should be concerned with is helping protect them from all of the negative consequences of not following in God's steps. This is not about us being right and convincing people that we are wise. It's about providing a path and evidence that helps them find God. James also says that this heavenly wisdom is full of good fruits. It produces a lot of things that are good. If every time you're sharing your wisdom, you're creating discord and confusion and frustration and anger, that's not heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is producing goodness. It's helping out the situation, not making it worse. It's de-escalating the conflict rather than escalating it. And James says that heavenly wisdom is unwavering. It's on solid footing. It's because it's rooted in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's not about my preferences or what I want or what I feel comfortable with. It's understanding what Jesus has said and what he has not said and being able to apply those things to a circumstance that are helpful to people rather than making them mad at us. And finally, James says that this heavenly wisdom doesn't have any hypocrisy. Heavenly wisdom doesn't just look wise or sound wise. It actually is wise. You can see the benefits from it when you put it into practice. That means we don't just try to give everyone what they want, but it also means there's not a double standard either. We do exactly what God calls us to do so that we can show the changes in our life to other people so that they can decide for themselves if they want to see those changes in their life. So as we conclude this section of Scripture, we see two main points that James wants to make for his readers. One is that worldly wisdom gets us what we want. Heavenly wisdom gets us what God wants. And secondly, the blessings of doing the right thing, being righteous, come when wise people do their work without causing controversy. James says in verse 18, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Twitter.